This is Downtown, the podcast, episode two. Coming to you from Bangor, Maine, I'm Rich Kimball with Carrie Haskell. Welcome into our second go-round of the podcast. Last week, we featured Brian Cranston, television producer Marty Croft, author Robert Curson. We've got a good one for you this week, including one of the busiest guys in Hollywood. Uh, we should call him Slash. He's got so many different titles, actor, director, writer, producer, and now author Mark Duplass, who's got a brand new book out called Like Brothers, written with his brother Jay. Also on the podcast this week, we preview the summer movie season with one of the best in the business, film critic Ty Burr of the Boston Globe. Uh, we remind you that Downtown the Podcast is brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength, and by Nice Brewing Company. Work hard, play hard, be nice. German-style beer from the woods of Maine. Our podcast, in case you don't know, is uh, based off our radio show, Downtown with Rich Kimball, that airs weekdays, 4 to 6 Eastern Time, on WZON in Bangor, WKIT. HD3 streaming audio is always available on our website, downtownwithrichkimball.com. And you can download the WZON app and take us anywhere in the world. Well, that's what we do here on the show. We talk with a, a wide range of guests from uh, all walks of life. Our, our criteria, interesting people, good conversations. And we've got a couple of them for you this second edition of the podcast, including a look at summer movie season. Some blockbusters, as always. Summer is uh, you know, big for blow-em-up movies and, and comic book movies, and there are certainly plenty of those, but also some hidden gems, too. And we talked about all of those recently with Ty Burr, the film critic of the Boston Globe. It's May 3rd, and summer movie season has already <laughs> begun with yes, Infinity is. War. Why, why is it starting earlier every year? It's uh, because the big movie, the big movie of the spring summer, wants to get a jump on the other movies. Um, it used to be memory. Once upon a time, it was it was uh, Memorial Day. Now we're moving well into April. Um, you know, soon, soon the summer movie season will be starting in January, but that's fine because there's never really anything good on screens in January anyway. Well, Infinity War certainly set the bar uh, pretty high, at least in terms of box office standards. That one might be tough to beat by anybody this summer. Well, oh, and let's not forget uh, Black Panther opened earlier in the year, and that's you know one of the already one of the highest grossing mm. movies of all time. Uh, one of the things to look forward to this summer, uh, regardless of genre, and uh, it, it was in your Boston Globe summer movie preview this past Sunday. It's a big summer for women. Yeah, surprisingly, you know, we think of summer as as uh, a big action extravaganza in franchise movies and superheroes, and it you know there's, it, we think that there's a lot of testosterone sort of flying around the screens. I don't know why, and I don't think it's planned. Maybe it is, um, and they're always saying there aren't great roles for for women, but this summer there seem to be a lot of great roles for women. Uh, I, I I love the fact that the new Ocean's Eleven sequel Ocean's 8 is an all-female cast led by um, Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I, last year we had Wonder Woman, but that was sort of like one in a crowd. Um, you know, uh, Saoirse Ronan is in two movies. Um, you know, it's, there's just a lot of talent floating around um, in both big-budget studio movies and the smaller indies that sort of run between the feet of the dinosaurs. Uh, one of the movies that stars a woman, uh, Tully, with Charlize Theron. We've got Mark Duplass, who's in it, uh, coming on the show tomorrow. Uh, have you okay. seen this yet, and how do you think it's going to be? 
Um, I yeah, I, I have seen it. It's from um, director Jason Reitman and uh, writer Diablo Cody, who worked together on Juno, mm. um, and who also made Young Adult with Charlize Theron, um, which is a wonderful movie that um, not enough people have seen. Uh, this, this one sort of falls in the middle for me. Uh, it's it's but it's good. And in fact, Charlize Theron is it's fantastic in it. Uh, partly because she plays the kind of character that we don't usually see in movies, which is a realistic mother of a you know working class family, and you know everybody's sort of making noise about how she gained weight for the role and she looks terrible and isn't that great. It's just a really finely acted uh, performance. She's I, uh, she kind of amazes me because she can do action films, she can be do glam, um, and here she is just believably. Um, human and struggling and um, sort of sardonic, and it's a it's a it's a pretty good movie and certainly worth seeing for her. All right, on the other end of things, what do you think is poised to be uh, the most disappointing sequel of the summer? <laughs> um, <laughs> there, and we've got a lot of sequels. Um, let me see. I'm just looking at the list. Uh, I mean, there's. Deadpool 2, Incredibles 2, uh, Jurassic, a new Jurassic Park called Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Um, there's a new Valley Girl. I don't know why. There's a new Superfly. I don't know why. Um, there's a new Equalizer. Denzel Washington is now sort of like anchoring this, this franchise. Um, there's a new Mamma Mia with Meryl Streep going back and doing, and it's literally called Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I mean, you know, <laughs> with a title like that. You got to. I guess you got to make the sequel. Um, there's a new Mission Impossible. Uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of dig the Mission Impossible movies. They're completely ridiculous, but a lot of fun. I don't have my hopes up for Deadpool, but we'll see. Uh, the thing's going to make a ton of money, um, but we shall see. Uh, for me, a little bit of Ryan Reynolds snark goes a long, <laughs> long way. Um, but it, 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 you always. That's the thing about the about Hollywood summer. Um, franchise movies, they kind of roll the dice, you never know what they're going to be. Some of them, you know, they turn out okay. And some of them are just there to squeeze quick buck. Um, I know Incredibles 2, this is uh, one of those projects where Disney has now has the rights to a bunch of Pixar um, franchises. So this is really Disney making a incredible sequel that probably Pixar wouldn't have made on their own. Um, does that mean it'll be bad? Not necessarily, but we shall see. We're talking with Ty Burr of the Boston Globe. Uh, I don't even know if I can stand seeing the movie because I cried like a baby watching the trailer for Won't You Be My Neighbor. <laughs> um, it's, I, I, this is a documentary uh, about Fred Rogers and Mr. Rob Rogers. And in fact, it, it must be the times we live in. I think we're desperate. I think, I think Fred Rogers is the anti-Trump. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say <laughs> um, And I think we're desperate for a Mr. Rogers. And he's, he's dead but, you know, this documentary could bring him back to sort of cultural life. There is actually a Mr. Rogers biopic in the works with Tom Hanks, the, you know, our most trusted movie star, playing um, Mr. Rogers. Uh, they're releasing this movie in, like, you know, multiplexes, the, the, the documentary. Um, I, and everybody I talk to is, like, really excited to see it, as am I. I think this could be an interesting hit. I think we need desperately somebody who's kind, just across-the-board kind, and reminds us of our kindness. Um, so I'll be very curious to see how that does. I'm also intrigued by what I've read about the new Gus Van Sant movie. Oh, uh, he won't get far on foot yeah. um, with Joaquin Phoenix. I have seen that. Um, that is, 
it's, again, it's a biopic, but of a of a, a person few people know, John Callahan, um, who was a, a paraplegic cartoonist and who did cartoons that were very sort of um, in your face and offensive about uh, disabled topics. Um, very sort of corrosive humor. Um, very funny guy. It's about his struggles um, as as a you know as a substance abuser and alcoholic um, before and after the accident that put him in a wheelchair and less about his art. Um, It's uh, Gus Van Zandt. He hasn't really made a mainstream movie in a while. And it's Joaquin Phoenix, who is always, always worth watching. Um, So it's a very interesting movie and um, well worth seeing for Phoenix. Uh, Is the world ready for R-rated puppets in Happy Time Murders? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, you know, we've already had, like, obscene grocery food, uh, you know, sausage <laughs> party, sausage fest, or whatever that was called. Um, yeah, I think we are. Um, and that's got a pretty good cast on it. Um, that's coming later in the summer, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, late in the summer, they, they kind of roll out the, the, the big blockbusters uh, early in the summer and then spread them out throughout. But by the time we get into August... Um, it's usually the movies that are so bad they couldn't figure out where to release them or the movies that are so weird they couldn't figure out when to release them. Um, and, you know, both of those have their pleasures. Uh, you talked about uh, so many opportunities for women, and it's rare to see uh, veteran women all together. And, gosh, we'll see that in a couple of weeks with the release of Book Club with a, a tremendous cast of talent. Yeah. Women. Um, Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenburgen, and Jane Fonda. Um, just, I love the, I'll go see that just to see, I mean, I, I hope the script is there, um, and they play four women who read Fifty Shades of Grey in their book club, and I guess things go from there. Um, but I will go see it just to see them on the screen together. I, you know, I'd go see it for Diane Keaton at this point, and she's been in some pretty bad movies over the last five, ten years, um, and she's wonderful in them. I mean, she just by herself raises the quality of them, you know, uh, two stars. Um so yeah, yeah. There's there's that. There's Annette Benning is in a um, a film version of Chekhov's The Seagull, which sounds high art, but apparently knocked him dead at South by Southwest. Sergei Ronan's also in that. Um, I keep hoping that someday, somehow, Annette Benning will be in the movie that will win her a Best Actress Oscar. Um, she's been deserving many times, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, so yep, that's another uh, another one in this um, odd and welcome summer of women. Yeah, and Jodie Foster is back too. Right, uh, playing a proprietress of a mysterious motel in a sort of post-apocalyptic L.A. Okay, um, <laughs> great. You know, as long as it brings Jodie Foster back to the screen, I'm good with that too. What do you think will be the most pleasant surprise of the summer? Hmm. Um, I'm looking at my what am I looking forward to uh, list here. Um, there is a. Um, film coming out late in the summer called Crazy Rich Asians uh, with Michelle Yeoh that sounds like an Asian My Big Fat Greek Wedding, um, and it sounds like it could be really stupid or really funny or both, um, and so that I'm looking forward to. Um, there is a wonderful movie that I saw at the uh, Independent Film Festival of Boston, which will be coming out at the end of the summer. It's called Support the Girls. Uh, it stars Regina Hall as the manager of a sort of Hooters-style restaurant, and it's really about the relationship between the women who work there. And it is, it's a real working-class movie. 
Um, it's a real nine-to-five movie, and it's funny and moving and terrific. Uh, it's called Support the Girls, and you should support that when it comes out. I'm intrigued as a, as a baseball guy with a, seeing the story of Mo Berg come to the screen. Yeah, with a um, you know, and what a story that is. Uh, you know, he's a a a, baseball, a professional baseball player, a spy, an intellectual, um, um, sexually ambiguous on, on top of it. Um, and Paul Rudd gets a rare lead role. Well, Paul Rudd's actually uh, anchoring two films. Uh, the the, uh, the Catcher Was a Spy, that's the name of the Moberg movie. Um, and it's a period piece set in World War II when he worked, when Moberg worked for OSS. And um, and Paul Rudd is also in the Ant-Man sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, with Evangeline Lilly playing the Wasp. So, uh, you know, Paul Rudd's one of my favorite actors in that he doesn't quite fit into the hero mold. There's something a little off about him in a very sort of smart edgy way and um so it's funny to see him leading you know holding down these two big movies um so that'll be interesting to see hey we talked about remakes and i'm looking at the list here and uh papillon is being remade why yes why <laughs> because it's been you know it's been almost 50 years i think since the first one that hurts and um <laughs> And, you know, I remember seeing that in the, the, the theater way back in the day. Uh, the new one has stars Charlie Hunnam, who is this um, kind of, nobody really knows him, but he's been in a bunch of movies recently, um, and he's he's a very good actor uh, in the old Steve McQueen role. And um, I think uh, Rami Malek of Mr. Robot is in the um, uh, Dustin Hoffman role. That sounds very interesting. And then uh, uh, from the comedy side of things, uh, boy, you get uh, you get these folks together. Um, well, anything Kate McKinnon is, is in, I'm going to like. The Spy Who Dumped Me. Yes, which is a starring vehicle for Mila Kunis, who hasn't been around on screens uh, enough, aside from the Bad Moms franchise, uh, about which uh, said the less said the better. Um, <laughs> but it pairs her with Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live, and to my mind, Kate McKinnon is one of the best things on Saturday Night Live, but she really hasn't found a movie vehicle, and I don't know if she can. She may be one of those talents that just works really well in sketch comedy and not so well in a long-form narrative, but I'm curious to see the two of those in a film together because they're both hugely appealing performers, and they may play off each other in really good, smart ways. And uh, finally, uh, The Rock, it doesn't matter. Just put The Rock in anything, and people will go see it, apparently. Yeah, um, and he's in, a, he's in a movie called Skyscraper. What's it about? <laughs> it's about a skyscraper. Uh, and um, I think it's his diehard movie, and I kind of you know, I, I dig The Rock. I kind of like the fact that our big brawny action hero is this guy who's actually pretty, really smart and pretty mellow and kind of a cool guy, and... Um, doesn't sort of like go around, you know, making pig-headed political pronouncements one way or the other. He's just a guy who makes these action movies and has fun doing it and likes his fans and his fans like him. And, you know, that's the kind of action movie hero that I would like. Um, there's a, <laughs> I love, there was a, there was a trailer or a poster earlier in the year that showed him making this long dive from like a plane into the skyscraper window, and it became this viral thing where everybody was using like mathematics to show that he could never actually make that sort of parabolic, parabolic jump. And he played along and had fun with it as well. Um, that's my kind of action star. I don't know if the movie's going to be any good, but you can tell that he's probably going to have fun with it. Well, and I like the fact, too, I was reading an interview with him, I think at Rolling Stone, uh, and it just seems like a really good guy who, who knows he's not 
He's not a Shakespearean actor, but knows what he does well and, and takes the craft seriously and apparently called some of his co-stars, uh, Ben Diesel for one, for not approaching it with the same level of commitment and seriousness. Right, right. He, I mean, he's very serious about what he does. I think that goes back to his early days as a wrestler, and you know, um, I because mean, that's a show and it's very physical. Um, I, you know, yeah, he's not a Shakespearean actor, but I would like to see him tackle a more serious role. Now, you know, not Shakespeare, but I, I would love to see him in a dramatic comedy or something that uses him in different ways. Because I think he's, I think he's a good actor, um, and I think he's smart. And I think he might respond to it. I, I think he's a tremendously appealing performer. I agree with you on that. Ty Burr, film critic of the Boston Globe, breaking down the summer movie season for us. Ty, always a treat for us to talk with you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Rich. Take care. That's Ty Burr, film critic of the Boston Globe, giving us a little summer movie preview here on Downtown, the podcast, episode two. Just a moment, we'll talk with Mark Duplass about his new book, Like Brothers, New movie that's out as well, Tully with Charlize Theron, uh, working on a number of things, including a couple more seasons of his terrific HBO anthology series, Room 104. Our conversation with Mark Duplass coming up after this quick word from our friends at Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Five years ago, a couple of friends teamed up. Their goal, create balanced beers that pay respect to the rich German tradition of brewing, layered with the nuance and eccentricity of modern brewing. And with that, Nice Brewing Company was born. Based in Limerick, Maine, right in the foothills of the White Mountains, Dustin and Tim combine their love of beer, science, and their German heritage to make truly unique brews. Whether it's the Nice Weiss, their IPAs, Stouts, Porters, or any of the seasonal offerings, you're bound to love what they're brewing at Nice. Make sure you ask for beers from Nice, G-N-E-I-S-S, at your favorite restaurant or bar. You can visit the Tasting Room in Limerick, open Fridays from 2 to 7, Saturdays 12 to 6, and check out the website, nicebeer.com, to learn more. German-style beer from the woods of Maine. Work hard, play hard, be nice. Well, you likely know our next guest on Downtown the Podcast for his work as an indie filmmaker. Films like The Puffy Chair, Blue Jay, Jeff Who Lives at Home. His work on television series like The League, Togetherness, Room 104. He's also the author of a terrific new book with his brother Jay entitled Like Brothers. Once upon a time, though, he was the lead singer of an indie band called Volcano. I'm still excited. Mark Duplass with us on Downtown the Podcast. Do you think these guys will catch on, Mark? I don't think so. They've been defunct for 12 years, <laughs> and I can no longer fit into the Dickies pants I used to wear on stage. Thank you very much. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, well, my goodness, uh, everybody is raving about the book, uh, Like Brothers. You wrote it with uh, Jay Duplass. How long have you known your co-writer? Uh, it's been about 41 years, uh, or more or less. Um, it is It is my lifelong collaboration, for better or for worse. Yeah, and uh, you guys 
write about uh, your growing up uh, period and uh, what got you into making films and telling stories together and then a lot about the creative process. Was it uh, you were seven and Jay was 11 when your dad brought a video camera into the house? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like most dads in the 80s, he didn't really know how to use the electronics, so he just let us figure it out. Um, And I think we got the early starts uh, of filmmaking then. And I think you can look at some filmmakers like the Coen brothers or or Steven Spielberg, and in their early films, you can really see the geniuses they would become. Uh, That was not the case at all with our movies, which were all horrific for the next 20 years. Uh, But eventually, somewhere in our late 20s, we kind of, figured out uh, if we started making fun of ourselves on camera, people tended to like that. So we made a career out of it. Now, our, our producer, Kerry, uh, is shopping for a house in New Orleans right now. He can't get out of here and get there fast enough. How did growing <laughs> up in New Orleans uh, help shape you guys and, and nurture your creativity? Well, you know, we grew up in the suburbs, and um, what was great about that is uh, we were kind of free to roam and, and figure out the artists we wanted to be, you know. Um, and, and needless to say, it's a very culturally rich city. But I would say more our time in Austin, Texas, um, in the in the mid-'90s, uh, when guys like Richard Linklater were really paving the way for independent film, you know, just regular guys with bad jeans and bad haircuts, Um <laughs> Of, of moderate intelligence and moderate looks were being successful. And that really made us feel like, whoa, if a, if some genetic B-minuses like us can make it, then, uh, you know, this is really an exciting time. But what are the things you guys have learned in this journey through the years that, that can be useful to other people uh, working their way up and hoping to find, uh, whether it's a career in, in film or in television or anything creative? Yeah, I think that, you know, when we started writing this book, we, we really felt like, you know, like everybody has 500 movies on their Netflix queue and TV shows, and they got 100 books they want to read. So if we're going to do this, we should try to make it semi-useful. And I think that um, you know the one thing we we do know quite a bit about is how to come from nowhere with no connections um, and and push that boulder up the mountain and turn it into something. And 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 this this book is is a detailed account of how we did that in the film business, but it could really apply to to any other independent artist or even startup trade because it's it's really at its core about why at least in our experience it was so important to collaborate closely with someone you love um to help you in that sort of really just indefatigable journey of trying to become a success in a world where we we knew nothing about it i mean hollywood was just uh, was mars to us and and we had to figure it out on our own now, not every brother or even sister combination works out. You know, there are horror stories about you know, the Everly brothers barely speaking to each other, breaking up uh, on stage. Why have you two been able to work so closely and make it work personally as well? I think we had to write a book to try and figure that out. and I, I still don't think we've figured it out. Um, you know, uh, some of it has to do uh, with... Um, you know the the feeling of being overwhelmed by by trying to um, you know trying to become successful in an industry that's so competitive. We felt we needed each other. Um, part of it is I think of the way that we were we were raised. You know, I mean, my parents just taught us to be sort of kind and respectful and speak nicely to each other. And um, you know, I think one thing that's been interesting about this book is you know Jay and I are actually quite different people, but we've been able to put our differences aside for the greater good of of staying together and trying to make something useful. Um, so I, in, in that way, I think the book is kind of a larger think piece about collaboration and, and learning how to, 
I get along in a time when um, you know we we are we are seeing massive um, personality and differences in, in people in our families. You know, um, so it's it's it was really fun to kind of to kind of show how we made it work and, and see if we could find a connection point for other people. But you've walked that walk in the world as well, and we talked about it last time you were on. You've reached out to people on the opposite side politically and tried to find common ground with them and, and try to avoid the name-calling. And uh, certainly it looks like the most success you've had with that has been in, in doing good deeds. You recently raised uh, enough money to start a library in Nepal. And is it on that area that right and left can come together and do some good? That's what I'm currently finding is the lowest common denominator of connection. <laughs> I mean, things are pretty raw right now. So rather than open political conversations, my, my feeling is like, all right, I think one thing we can all agree on is starving and needy children uh, need places to sleep and books uh, and education and health care. And um, that's been a very easy thing. So, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to partner with people, you know, like Glenn Beck, who I could not disagree with more politically, <laughs> quite frankly, but I just find to be a really generous person who, who likes to take care of people who need help. And so that's that's where we're trying to start. I mean, we're not like uh, changing the world or anything, but we're doing little things and it's it's been nice. We're talking with Mark Duplass here on Downtown. The book is called Like Brothers, also opening today all over the country, a brand new movie. My goodness, talk about talented people assembling uh, Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody, Charlize Theron, you, Ron Livingston. Uh, tell us about Tully. Yeah, Tully is really an uh, essential movie about uh, motherhood. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tales about uh, how gorgeous and rewarding it can be. But uh, this is the other side when it can really crush you. Um, and Charlize was just amazing. You know, she she really dove into this thing and she put on 50 pounds for the role to tell the story of a woman who has a third child that maybe she didn't really want and how is she going to deal with that and find herself in that so it's dark comedy and it's uh it's a really beautiful movie you and jay have also produced a wonderful documentary series on netflix i loved wild wild country and now uh, coming out uh, in just i think a week from today evil genius which looks tremendous as well yeah we've always been fans of documentaries but quite frankly i've been sort of fearful to make them because they takes so long to get them right, but um, we've been able to partner with some younger filmmakers, which is a lot of what we've been doing lately, um, and uh, and make these two series, and, and they're really, really exciting. I, I think Wild Wild Country in particular is one of the things I'm most proud of we've made in the past few years. How beneficial is it to do a documentary on a platform like Netflix where you can take the time to tell the story and you're not trying to fit the story into a specific slot? Yeah, I mean, Netflix has been um, a seminal partner for us. Ted Sarandos, who runs that company, bought our first tiny little movie, The Puffy Chair, which we shot in Down East, Maine, and we shot in Bangor House, uh, in, uh, right on French Street, right across from the park there, where you know my sister-in-law, Mary Bud, lives. And, and, um, and they bought that movie from us, and I've maintained a close relationship with them, and they have grown exponentially, and they have still... Uh, kept us in the family, and we're really, really lucky to have them as a partner because you know they they drop a movie and it goes into 180 countries, and and um, to get those kinds of eyeballs today is just you know it's very unique. One of your upcoming collaborations with Netflix, I believe, is a film you're doing with Ray Romano. 
Yeah, we're uh, we do a series of original films for Netflix, and um, there's a I can't say too much about it. We haven't leaked the plot yet, but it's um, it's kind of an, an ultimate buddy movie uh, with me and, and Ray Romano, and, and Jay and I are always obsessed with the sort of male intimacy. That's a that's a big topic in in Like Brothers, and it's also a topic in the in the movie we wanted to make with Ray. I also love the first season of Room 104 on, on HBO. It's such a, a great anthology series, a throwback to the stuff I grew up on or uh, wish I'd grown up on, like Alfred Hitchcock Presents and The Twilight Zone. I exposed uh, some new directors to their opportunities, and uh, you're already working on the second season. Is that right? Yeah, we're working on the second and the third season simultaneously. And fun fact um, is uh, Lauren Budd, who is a Bangor uh, native, um, at 19 years old, was interning at our company and wrote a script that was so good that we produced it for the second season. So she's one of the youngest female writers to ever have a, an episode of TV produced. And also with our book, she was a, she was very helpful in uh, editing the book with me. And um, and her mother Mary, who's I was referencing my sister-in-law, when she was staying at our house, we were trying to figure out what the title of the book was going to be, and and she wrote it down on a sticky note and left it on my kitchen counter, and, and that ended up being the title of the book. So a lot, lot, of, lot of deep Bangor connections on this one. No question about it. And, and you guys have a paved new ground, too. Uh, not many books have had a trailer before. Yeah, they said, you want to make a trailer for your book? And we said, what the hell is that? I don't know what, I don't know what that means. And they said, just think of a movie trailer and come up with something for your book. And, I mean, we're so busy right now. We had zero time, so... Jay and I met at the office, and we just said, look, we'll set aside two hours and we'll figure it out. And that was actually really fun because we shot it all on our iPhones, just the two of us. And it, it felt, again, like we were you know, 7 and 11 years old, kind of running around with our dad's video camera, which is, which is an energy as our company grows. We're, we're continually trying to tap into to, to grow ourselves, to offer opportunities to younger filmmakers, to do what we can, but at the same time, like, try not to lose a little bit of that like childlike fun that um, is where we built this thing from in the first place. Uh, the book is called Like Brothers by Mark and Jay Duplass, and obviously it's uh, to learn about you and to talk about your childhood, the process, to share what's worked for you as filmmakers and as creative people. What did you learn about yourselves in, in the writing of the book? I think the interesting thing that happened while we were writing this book is that we were making a TV show called Togetherness for HBO, and it got canceled. Um, and that was when Jay and I were at our at the height of our collaboration, spending 13 hours a day together, best friends, brothers, business partners. And uh, when that show went away, for the first time, we started to question, um, do we have to be as close as we are now? Is it possible we could find some personal space? And um, what we thought was going to be a book that was essentially a treatise on the powers of collaboration turned into a larger question about, all the greatness we've got out of, but some of the individuality that we have lost um, in our own in our own uh, personal selves. So it was um, it was fun to write, but it was uh, it was a little bit painful at times too. So like like our movies, I guess it's it's funny, but it's got its bittersweet moments too. Well, you, well, you mentioned togetherness, and I, I've told you this before. That was such a tremendous series. I was so sad to see it go away after two seasons, but I feel like that's one of those series, much like something like Freaks and Geeks, that people are going to discover if they didn't see it the first time around and say, this is incredible writing and acting. How did this not last a decade? Although it probably would have killed you if it did. I think it would have, or even worse, 
maybe I would have kept making it because the money would have been so good and it would have just started to get really, really bad and stale and creatively lame. So maybe it's better they killed us while we were at the top of our game. Mark Duplass, uh, it's always fun for us to talk with you. Uh, look forward to seeing Tully. The book is like brothers. Uh, get it. and We know you'll love that. Mark, as always, we appreciate you making time for us. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. It's Mark Duplass here on Downtown, the podcast, talking about his book with his brother Jay, like brothers, a Tully, the motion picture, Room 104, all kinds of things happen. The busiest guys in Hollywood right there. And uh, always grateful when Mark checks in with us to fill us in on what's going on. He's got those great Maine and Bangor connections as well. Of course, his wife, uh, Katie Azelton, very talented actor and director in her own right, a native of Millbridge and uh, in-laws living right here in Bangor, Maine. So Mark Duplass with us. Check out his book, Like Brothers. One of the great things from that conversation with Mark was was sort of learning how they have put so much effort and time into giving who they were a couple of decades ago a chance. Working with young filmmakers and directors and writers and you know giving them that chance to get into the field. Yeah, Mark's always done that. I mean, since they've achieved a level of success and notoriety, he gave a great um, opening speech at the South by Southwest a few years ago that was very encouraging to to young filmmakers as well. And, and yeah, he's, he's tried to be very collaborative in his efforts. And, and we see that when he comes on with us. He's just a great guy, and we wish him continued success. Like Brothers, the book. Uh, thanks to Mark Duplass. Thanks to Ty Burr, the film critic of the Boston Globe, for being with us on this edition of Downtown the Podcast. Brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. And by Nice Brewing Company, German-style beer from the woods of Maine. Next podcast released on the next Wednesday at 12.01 a.m. We hope you'll check it out. Tell your friends, subscribe, pass the word about Downtown, the podcast. Harry Haskell's our producer. I'm Rich Kimball. whole thing is produced by Downtown Productions. We'll see you next time on Downtown Podcast.